Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Good. Thank you so much for being here. It's just such a privilege to do church and life together and just love what God's doing in Cedar House, and just so thankful that you want to spend your Sunday night here. So just, uh, I just really, I love being one of the churches that's just going for it in the city and partnering with other people to just see um, earth look more like heaven. So uh, we're going to have a great night tonight. I just want to thank everybody as well for those of you who have been serving. We It takes a lot just to make church run. A lot of you guys have stepped up and served. We need more help in the kids ministry and things like that. Those of you who have been a part of small churches understand everyone kind of has to come together and, and make it all happen. So just thank you guys for doing that um, as we continue to grow. My name is Landon Snow. If this is your first time, welcome. Super happy that you're here. Hopefully you feel at home or you can just be blessed for one night. Uh, we're all so great with that as well. Um, I have a fun story to tell you. I just have to acknowledge someone. This is not a prophetic moment. This is just a natural moment here. I was uh, Thursday at lunch with Brett, and I bit into my salad. I got a, uh, a sensation salad, a sensation dressing on the side, olive oil instead of the dressing to low my caloric intake. And uh, biting into my salad, my tooth just chipped like a fourth of it just came out, and I swallowed it. And I told Brett, I said, I'm pretty sure I just broke my tooth. And he goes, yeah, yeah you're, you're missing your tooth. It's like, oh, my gosh. So Dr. Nash, right, wave your hand there. This is Dr. Nash is a dentist. Um, and he laid hands on it, and it grew back. No, I'm just kidding. That's next month. Now, uh, it really helps to have a man of God that uh, you do church with be your dentist. So I gave him a call. He fixed me up. I'm back to normal. But, man, what a funny moment. And I thought, I'm just, when I saw him when I, tonight, I was like, God, thank you, Lord, for Thomas Nash. So, hey, if you're looking for a great dentist in a, in a great location in Baton Rouge, right off Blue Bonnet, check him out. He's, he's got a couple more years before he retires He's an awesome man. I actually uh, went to him my whole life when I was younger, and then some of you know I moved to Seattle and to uh, California for a little bit and came back. So anyway, that was a whole lot of fun. And then base camp on Tuesday, base camp is our biweekly men's group. We went to Uptown Climbing Gym. Yeah, it was awesome. We all, we all harnessed up and went climbing. The array of skill amongst everyone that was there was very vast. Um, just to prove to you that I was there, I still have a, a bruise right here that hurt uh, very badly. I also had another one right here. And I don't know how these happened. Like, it wasn't like a moment where I, like, remember it. It's just in the tussle of rock climbing. Um, if you ever wanted to see JP in gym shorts and a harness, you missed your opportunity if it didn't happen on Tuesday night. Maybe he'll go again. We don't know. But it was very eventful. And then... Josh Atwell is on the on the rock climbing walls like a ravenous uh, squirrel slash like raccoon trying to get out of a trash can kind of feel. He comes in his work clothes looking dapper 
and gets in there and he just puts on, they rent you shoes for like $2 and he's just like, he's never done this in his life. He's like climbing all this stuff. It's, it's awesome. When we put up these speakers, I don't know, like a year ago, me and Micah, more Micah and I was just handing him tools. Uh, Josh came and helped and we were like trying to figure it out and Josh, just like a ravenous squirrel or raccoon, gets on top of the roof and is like going back and forth and connecting it and everything. So I'm really thankful that you have squirrel-like capacities. Josh, you're, uh, you're amazing. Anyway, that was a whole lot of fun, uh, rock climbing. We'll do it again, guys, now that you're all jealous that you weren't there. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again in a, a couple months just so we can all rock climb or keep doing different sporting activities. Men seem to bond over activities well, so we're going to continue to do that. So anyway, Awesome. Well, I, I'm just going um, to jump right in for the sake of time so we have time at the end to do some, some ministry stuff. So I, it, when I teach on Sundays, I, I typically teach from a place of victory or from a place of breakthrough. And, and what I mean by that, it's something that I feel like I've walked a long way with God in or an area that I have a lot of wins in or victory in. And I try to just share um, from my perspective, how the things I've gone through with God. And what I'm going to teach you today, I, I may be the least qualified to teach this subject. I, I'm by, by no means victorious in this subject, but I do want to share with you my process of where I'm at in this, and I think that it would bless some of you guys. So I'm going to talk to you about learning how to live content, or learning how to live with contentness. The word content means a state of peaceful happiness, learning how to live in all areas of life, being content. And I'm going to base that off of Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Now, Paul um, is writing this book uh, to the church in Philippi from a prison cell. Paul learned how to be content in all seasons of life, writing from prison. So in North America, we, we need to make sure that if he can be content in this situation, we need to make sure that we learn how to be content. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that, starting in verse 11. So this is Paul saying this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to pray. All right, God, I pray that we leave different. I pray that um, you teach us more and more of your nature. You teach us more and more what you're like. And I pray that we can learn the secret that Paul talked about. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on Thursday, Stacy and I will have been married for 10 years. You can clap for that. 10 years. Come on now. It's been a, been a fun, fun journey. I obviously love her so much. She's amazing. She's such an amazing wife. She's an amazing mother. Her, her pursuit for more of God, her pursuit of excellence is um, contagious. I have leaned on that so much in our relationship. Um, she wants to see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. And for our entire relationship, she's just giving God her yes. She just goes for it. She loves this community so much. I get to see her behind the scenes. She just cares so much about what God's doing in Baton Rouge. And 
and with Cedar House. So, you know, 10 years is kind of a significant, you know, that's a big number. I mean, you typically do kind of more, you give yourself an excuse to do more fun things at big years like that. So we decided, okay, what are we going to do? Let's let's get something. Let, let's have fun. And so we decided to continue the North American dream, and we bought a television. That's right. A big, nice TV. Now, for the little insight on that, Stacy and I have never bought a TV. We have actually not had a TV for the most most of the time that we've been married. And if we have a TV, it's mainly just if we wanted to play a DVD. I'm not for or against TVs. Wherever you're at in your relationship with God, you should go do that. Um, so for us, this was like a, a pretty significant decision. But we kind of came together and thought, you know, we need. We just felt like it would be good for the family to have something to just kind of bond around, watch movies, things like that. The way we do it before the TV was more like everyone's on their iPhone or everyone's on an iPad. So although we were having time together, everyone's actually looking at something different. Like this is backfiring on us, not having a TV, you know. So we decided to get a TV. Now, I don't know if any of you are TV lovers, but if you start down the path of trying to figure out more about TVs or learn about the best TV to get, it is this giant black hole that you can just fall into. And I'm, I'm pretty researched in a lot of areas, and in other areas I just don't care. So I went a little bit down the black hole of TV research, and I decided I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to Costco, and I'm buying the best deal I can get. I don't care the brand. I don't care whatever it is. I'm leaving tonight. I'm going to get a TV. So I grabbed my four-year-old, Annabelle. I said, Annabelle, you want to go? Are we going daddy dates? Annabelle, you want to go on a daddy date with daddy? Yeah, I want to go. Do you want to go to Costco? She's like, daddy date to Costco? I'm like, you can get ice cream or a treat. She's like, okay. I'm like, but we're going to buy a TV. So she kind of perked up at it. They're, we've sheltered them so much. They're a little foreign to what that even is, you know, kind of kidding. Uh, so we get there, I say, okay, but we're going to get a TV. So we walk into Costco here, right when you walk into Costco, the first thing they have are those really nice TVs. You know what I'm talking about? They're like $3,000. It feels like you're inside the picture. I told Belle, okay, but we're not going to look at this aisle. We're going to the one behind that aisle. So I said, Belle, just, uh, what, what TV do you like? And so Annabelle had a couple choices to make. She could have chose the 45-inch TV. She could have chosen the 55-inch TV, but she knew the weight of my heart, and so she pointed out and loved the 65-inch TV. And I just felt like, to be honest, I felt like it was the word of the Lord. I felt like God was speaking through my daughter to me to get this 65-inch TV, and the fact that it was on sale was just double confirmation. I felt heaven open up, the shalom of heaven come into my life, and we have a 65-inch TV now. Now, the funny thing is, I now know that that's a gigantic TV, but I kid you not, I literally thought, Stacy was like, this is the biggest TV I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's, I go to a friend's house, I'm like, this is a big TV, you know, it all, all look the same to me. So, if you've ever been to our house, our house is basically a giant manifestation of, of Stacy's world. We, we designed the house. We built the house. We homeschool because um, we shelter our kids and we're weird. And uh, just kidding. Total joke. You can make that joke if you homeschool. Um, homeschool is actually not weird. But anyway, so it's, it's just kind of Stacy's, you know, it's her place. It's her safe place. She's really designed it. 
the way she wants it to be. So now on the, the main living room wall, I have this gigantic black box sitting there, which is a giant eyesore. Um, I'll be shocked if it's there in a month. But if I can at least get one LSU football game sitting on my couch, I'm going to be so excited. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, but honestly, Stacy felt like it would be something to actually help the family or me be a little bit more content. Now, in our 10 years, if you ask me what I think Stacy needs to change about herself for the next 10, I would say nothing. She is perfect. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. She's flawless in all of her ways, and she treats me perfectly. Can I get an amen, guys? You know what I'm saying? But if you asked her what would she hope for me over the next 10 years, she would say, I would like you to learn how to be content. And she's completely right. I have really struggled in this area of learning how to be in a peaceful state of happiness at all times internally with myself, not amongst other people and not when I'm working, but when it's time to have that place of peace, I have, find it, I have found it very hard to do that. One of the main reasons why that is, is because I want the more of God. So let me explain. I, I've known God my whole life, grew up in a Christian home, but I fell in love with God about 10, 11 years ago when I found out that he was good and that he had more for me. See, God has unlimited resources. God has unlimited love. His, what he has given us is so much. He has so much forgiveness. He has so much joy for us. He's, he's so kind. He just lavishes goodness on us. I mean, think about it. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And all of his promises are yes and amen. I mean, he just the Bible is just lavishing so much of God on us. It's hard to contain him. And then he says, I give you all authority and go subdue the earth. Okay, so my personality, I take that as, let's start a church. Let's start four businesses. Let's take over the planet for God. Like, God's given us more. We can keep going. We can keep doing more for God. And my heart is good for that. I have good intentions for that. But in my journey, I have allowed that to get me off a little bit where I've had trouble finding contentness amongst that path. And it's this interesting tension that God has put us in that, He's given us more, and he wants us to make disciples among the nations. But at the same time, he's asked us to be content. That, that has always just been an interesting internal dialogue with me. So what I realized is, okay, I need to learn how to be content. I can tell that I'm not content. My wife reminds me that I'm not content. And I started shifting into, okay, I'm going to pray that God makes me more content. Okay, now in the Christian world, we consider that success. Like, there's a problem, let's go to God and pray. Like, well, I'm, this is faith. I'm putting faith in action. I'm going to pray, and God's going to change me. But this secret that Paul's talking about is that it doesn't come through prayer. So, I'm going to read this verse again. I'm going to read chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 again. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. Everyone say, learned learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and in need. See, you can't impart contentness to someone. I can't pray for you for you to become content. It's not transferable. But here's why. 
God wants to walk with us daily, positioning our heart to be postured toward him so we can find contentness. Being content is not just this final destination. It's a process with God of learning how to be content. Now, sometimes we don't like that. Sons and daughters are like, can we just hit the button and God fixes? How many of you like when God does that? He just fixes. This is one where he's asking us to learn this process with him. Contentness is a learned state. And Paul figured out, he called it a secret. Like, hey, I have this secret, guys. You can learn how to be content. And I'm in my journey with God learning how to be content. Now, one thing I know for sure is that God puts us in seasons. And you can't, you can't outdo him in the seasons. He, he, he has placed you and I in seasons to learn in every season. Just like in the natural, there's seasons. He puts us in seasons, and if we can't steward those seasons and learn how to be content, he doesn't want to bring us to the next level because we won't be content there either. So God is always positioning you and I in places to learn contentness. So here's the thing. Wherever you are, whatever season that you're in, now's the time to learn contentness. I I study um, really successful entrepreneurs I just I'm fascinated with their routines. I'm fascinated with how they um, did what they did to be successful. And every single one of them says this. They say, here's the thing. I thought I would get to this level, and I built my life to this level, and then I thought I would have rest. And I get to this level, and then my mind just goes to the next level, and it never stops. Here's my point. And all of the breakthroughs I've had in my life, I have learned that. I always thought, well, if I just had this, be content. If I just had that car, house, relationship, breakthrough, anointing, if this person would just get healed, whatever it is, I always think like when I get to that place, everything's going to change. You know what I'm talking about? It's, man, $15,000 more a year salary would solve my problems. I'll be honest. You, are you with Man, I'm, dude, if we had just a little bit more money, Everything would work out. But the truth is, when you get to that place, you just want more. It's the human nature to want more. Learning how to be content in all seasons is difficult, but it's, we're, we're learning how to do that. I said to a friend the other day, I said, if I can do, I'm 35 years old. I said, if I can do 35 to 40 well, I just know the rest of my life is going to be successful. And the fact that that's within me, <laughs> that like, I, basically what I'm saying is I will be content once I'm 40 when all the hard stuff is done, when my kids are out of diapers, when all the organizations I'm working with or in charge of are successful. And it's like, that's, that's not it. Are you with me? That's not the method that God has chosen for contentness. I, I want to give you this one key that I, I thought was uh, profound. It's, it's in the previous chapter in the same book, of Philippians. It's, it's chapter 3, um, verse 19. I'm going to read a couple verses before. This is Paul saying this. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Okay, I want to stop right there. Total side note, nothing to do with the sermon. Multiple times, I think four times, Paul says in different books, hey, do what I do. And it's not arrogant. Here's my point. 
so I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail. Find role models and do what they do. If you see someone who has breakthrough in an area, pay attention to that person. And this is Paul just saying to people who have just been saved, different walks in life, hey, did you see how I behaved? Do it like that. You with me? Okay. Um, so he says, um, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with their mindset on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Verse 19, their God is their belly. This is what he's saying here. It's people who could not figure out how to be satisfied. The unsatisfaction of the craving of more will lead you astray. The nonstop hunger. I'm not talking about hunger for more than one-on-one connection with God. I'm talking about the pursuit of always feeding something. Their God is their belly, and he says it led them astray from the cross. This is where alcoholism comes in. This is where drug abuse comes in. This is where pornography comes in. This is where misuse of electronics comes in. All of that stuff comes when my belly, this this eagerness, this un, this appetite that can't be quenched, to always have more, became God. And that will always lead you astray. Let me give you the opposite of that. You all know this verse, Psalm 23. David says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David's reminding his soul, the, because he's my shepherd, I am not in want. This is David saying, my belly will not be my God. The, the good shepherd, the rabbi, the teacher, will, will, will lead me in a way where my belly will not be the one who tells me what to do. Are you with me? Jesus models this over and over in his lifestyle of refraining from what you and I would think would be success, but doing what the Father was telling him to do. His belly was never his God. So in this season of life that you're in, if you have in the back of your mind, which this is not a word of knowledge, this is just facts, we all have it. Man, the next season's going to be easier. If you can't find contentness in this one, it's going to be hard to find it in the next. In my life, in my struggle with this, it's funny how somehow in the past 10 years I have found that to be 100% true, yet I'm still thinking it's going to change somehow. Like the next 10 won't be like the previous 50. It's like the nonstop escalating of trying to find contentness. Well, we can't allow our bellies to be our gods. Amen? All right, there's two ways that I have found in my process that has helped me with this um, as I'm on my way to victory in this area. And the first one is thankfulness. There is the floor of the theology of the kingdom is thankfulness. You can never be too thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. If you've ever wondered what the will of God is, this verse actually says it. It's in everything to give thanks. Here's the thing. When you become entitled and when you become spoiled in the kingdom and you don't give thanks, Everything's a problem. If you view every situation as a gift from God to give thanks, this posture will lead you in a completely different direction. Complaining and blame and laziness comes from not being thankful. Can you get an amen? 
Listen, people have gone through bad situations, and they deserve to be, the natural mind is that, well, I deserve to be justified that I'm upset or I'm hurt or there's not enough. And he's saying, yeah, but if you want the will of God in your life, give thanks and everything. Literally, I'm breathing air. Well, my husband did this, and this happened, and this happened with my... Find something to give thanks to God for. The floor, you, the default position in your mind cannot be to blame, be lazy, be angry. It has to be to give thanks. And all things, give thanks. Try it. Just literally try it. Tomorrow, something's going to happen. It's going to take you off and think, how can I give thanks in this moment? When you start giving thanks, everything becomes an opportunity. Did you get that? When you start giving thanks, you start owning your life. Things become an opportunity, not a problem. And I, I'm not, I don't want to be desensitive, but I'm telling you, every situation you can own and give thanks for, and you can grow. If you don't want to give thanks and you don't want to own it, you won't grow. I'm jumping on a soapbox here. I'm sorry. Uh, Christians are the same. You can be a Christian. You can be 40 years into being a Christian and not have grown at all. Start with giving thanks. Have you ever thought, what is the will of God in my life? It's to give thanks in every situation. So that leads to contentness to say, okay, God, I'm in this situation with you. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to find you in it. See, I get, we get entitled and we get spoiled and we jump out of thankfulness. Okay. The, the second one is this, trusting in God's provision. I, I, uh, we talk about the poverty spirit probably once every six months. I should probably do it soon as there's more people in the church, but not going to go into that now. But struggling with trusting that the future will work out well, that God will provide. What happens when you don't do that is you begin to fret. You get out of rest, and you want to control the future. What you're doing with that is saying, God, I don't trust you. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't steward at all. What I'm saying is, God, you have promised me things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steward my end, and I'm going to trust that things work out. I don't have to get in the way of, of what you're doing. Jesus put it like this. Hey, do you see those lilies in the field? I want you to be like that. That's the most thing about. I want you to be like a flower. That's pretty content. Are you with me? That's the most irresponsible verse in the Bible. Hey, uh, Peter, I want you to make disciples of the nation, and we're going to do it by being like a flower in the field. They've got to be like, this guy's totally lost his mind. But think about it. That's what he's saying. I want you to have that much rest. I want you to be so content. He says they don't labor or toil, but look how beautiful they are, and God cares about you more than more than those things. So, in closing, living content is an inside job. It's not something that we can become. It's something that we pay attention to on the inside. Living content is a mindset. It's not something that we're going to accomplish one day. Are you with me? All right. Are you, are you willing to learn contentness with me? I, um, I know I just told you that you can't pray in contentness. But I do want to spend about five minutes just with um, Shane playing the keys. Just asking God for areas in your life that you feel like he wants to highlight that you can trust him with.
so that we can learn to be more content. If anything I have said made you think, don't work as hard, don't steward, don't try, or God has less for you, that's a lie. I'm not talking about, there's 0% laziness in any of my theology. So any, if you just got a, a reason to be, oh, I can do less. Don't have time to go and all that, but that's not it. Steward, work hard, but being content and also. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.